everyone once again to the Selling Greenville podcast. I'm your host, Stan McCune, realtor here in Greenville, South Carolina. And today we are going to be talking about the top seven biggest mistakes that people make when they're selling a home, whether an investment property, whether a house flip, whether their own primary residence. What are the main mistakes that I see that people make when they are selling a home. Now, last time we talked about the top seven uh, biggest mistakes that home buyers make, and I hope you found that helpful. Um, We spent a little bit of time introducing the show, me introducing myself. Um, I'm not going to do that this time, but if you want more information on me, feel free to look in the show notes of the show. I've got my contact information there, and I would be more than happy to discuss any real estate needs that you have uh, if you just reach out to me. And uh, feel free as well to just Google my name, Stan McCune Realtor. Uh, you'll find plenty of information uh, on the internet by doing that. But without further ado, let's talk about the biggest mistakes that home sellers make. The number one mistake that I run into, this should come as no surprise, the number one mistake I run into is that people misprice their home. They misprice their home. Now this can be in either direction and that might surprise you. I run into from time to time, it's it's a lot less common than the alternative, but very frequently people will underprice their home. And, And I think this is what happens. We have a lot of realtors out here that their strategy is actually to underprice listings. And the reason why they they do that strategy is that that will result in more closings for them, right? It also means that statistically, um, they can say, hey, my average house sells in five days. Uh, Well, obviously, because you underprice all of them. Um, that's That's a big strategy that I hear quite a bit in this market. And honestly, I think it's unethical. But regardless, I have personally, a lot more pride in my work that I want my clients to get the maximal value for their house. I do a lot of research to try to determine what a home is worth, and I want to price it exactly for what it's worth. Pricing it under value, you might generate more buzz by doing that. You might even generate a multiple offer type of situation But those do not work out. You turn on HGTV and they're always like, oh yeah, multiple offer situations, you know, greatest thing ever. Listen, there is a large percentage of those multiple offer situations that do not work out the way uh, people, sellers specifically, hope that they will. And they're always extremely stressful. It's much easier if if you just have uh, one or two families that are looking at a home, that are really interested in it, that are willing to pay for it, and you don't have to be dealing with 15 or 20 different offers. I've never spoken to a realtor that is having to deal with 15 or 20 different offers that is really excited about it. It's it's a stressful and difficult thing to have to deal with. Um, but we run into this that 
it's either it's incompetence, the the realtor and the uh, seller didn't do the research to determine what their property was worth, and and really that's more on, on the realtor. He's the professional. She's the professional. Should know what the property is worth. Um, either they didn't do the homework or they intentionally listed it below market value. Um, I that to me is is not a good strategy. Um, but an even worse strategy is to list it for more than it's worth. And here's how that typically goes down. Um, usually you've got a seller and they are adamant. This home is worth XYZ, you know, let's just say $300,000. And you can present that there are sellers out there that you can present all the data in the world to show them that their home is not worth what they're saying it's worth, but they will have some sort of counter argument. And at some point they will find a realtor that is willing to just go ahead and list the house for the price that, that they think it's worth, that the sellers think it's worth. Um, and in this market, we have so many realtors. We have more realtors in Greenville than we have homes for sale. So you can find a realtor that is willing to be a yes man, and we're going to get to that in a little bit as well, but you can find a realtor that's willing to be a yes man, yes woman, and will list a house and will put whatever price the seller wants without any type of argument. Now, listen, at the end of the day, it's the seller's house. So if they aren't willing to list a house for the price that I think it's worth, then, listen, I fully respect if they don't want to list it with me because they need to list it for ultimately a price that they're happy with. But if you list the house, if you list any house for more than it's worth, you need to, first off, you need to figure out what it's worth, not just pull a number out of the air, not pull comps from two miles away from a different neighborhood, you know, completely different style of construction and say, well, my house is like that. Um, and, and then try to base your price off of that. What needs to happen, the research needs to be put in to actually determine what the house is worth and then to price it accordingly. So I, I always come up with a range. I try to keep it within $10,000, $15,000 max. Here's the range that we can very confidently say this house is worth. And uh, typically, I'll try to go on the upper end of that range. It kind of, it, it depends. There, there is more that, that goes into determining how to price a house than just looking at the comps. And that's something that actually we're going to talk about here in a second as well. Um, but uh, usually we're able to look at that range and to price the home on the upper end of that range without overpricing it. When you overprice your home, you really hurt your listing. Um, I was running some data today on the, most of Greenville County looking at homes that were uh, three bedroom, two bathroom, um, 
not on very large lots, basically filtering it by the average, uh, by your stereotypical home sale for a single family house here uh, in Greenville County. And uh, here's what I came up with. The, um, for homes that sell for at least 90% of what they are listed for. So if they're listed for 200,000, they sell for at least 180,000. Those homes from the time they go on the market until the time they close sell in 40, just a little bit more than 40 days. So that's, that's really quick, right? Because, you know, an, a very average amount of time that someone is under contract is about 30 days. So we're talking about a home that is maybe on the market for a week, goes under contract, and then closes within 30 days. Those homes typically, uh, that that is the metric for how you know that a home has been priced correctly is it sells pretty quickly. The homes that are selling for below 90%, of what they are listed for. The, the average time on the market for those homes is 112 days. So what does that mean? All right, here's what that means. They start too high, the price starts too high, and the listing starts to languish. It's on the market for a few weeks. It's on the market for a few months. At some point in there, they have to lower the price. Maybe once, maybe twice, maybe three times. Depends on how, how overpriced we're talking about and how aggressive the price cuts are. Um, but by the time they it, get to the point where it's been on the market for almost four months, they're finally selling, but they're selling for less than 90%. And in some cases, we're talking about in the 70% range of what it's listed for. Properties that are listed for 200,000 that are selling for like 150,000. And here's generally what's the case with these types of, of properties is if they had just been listed correctly from the get-go and hadn't languished on the market for so long, they could have been sold for a higher price. They might not have have you know gotten for instance a property that sold for 150 might not have gotten 180 but maybe it would have gotten 165 had it been priced at 170 to start with rather than 200 um so that's a huge mistake all right you want to list the house for what it's worth i think i think we have sufficiently addressed that issue the second biggest mistake i see sellers make is listing a house without professional photos. Listen, this is the simplest thing in the book to do. And there is a huge percentage of listings out there that are not done with professional photos. And let me tell you why that is a huge mistake. Uh, first off, the realtor should be paying for the photos. I pay for the photos and that's not, I don't have it in my listing agreement that if the listing falls through, if the house doesn't sell, I make the seller pay for the photos. I don't do anything like that. That is the risk that I take 
And that's why I make sure that the house is priced correctly. I've got skin in the game here. This house needs to be priced for what it's worth. Um, I'm not going to pay several hundred dollars to have a photographer come out there and take pictures for a house that I'm about to list for $50,000 more than what it's worth. That's, that's not what I'm out here doing. But what ends up happening so often when someone lists a house without professional photos, it highlights all of the worst parts of the house and minimizes some of the best parts of the house. What, what I frequently see are major lighting issues and, and major issues with the home seeming cramped because the lenses being used are not uh, a wide enough angle type of lens. And so it makes all the rooms look cramped. It's not flattering to the house at all. Um, and, and it does not encourage people to, to go look at the house. That is what you need. You need the house to have traffic at the end of the day, right? It, it doesn't matter, you know, how many people see the listing online. All that matters really is how many people actually get into the house and actually look at it because the house needs to sell itself and you need to get people in there and the only way that you're going to get people in there is if they look at the photos and something stands out to them something has to stand out to them and if they see a bunch of photos that are dimly lit make you know the the rooms look small make the rooms look cramped um have you know a bunch of clutter in the background that is not going to convince people to set up a showing to go look at your house. Um, there are so many listings without professional photography, and it just blows my mind. Because uh, honestly, it's not that expensive. It, it, it really isn't. It's just a few hundred bucks. If a realtor is not willing to foot the bill on something like that, then that tells me that either they're too confident in their own ability to take good iPhone photos, um, or they're not confident enough. They're not willing to put their skin in the game. And, uh, and either way, that's a problem. Um, and all of this kind of takes me into my third point, which is uh, choosing a yes man or a yes woman realtor. Listen, you can find them out there. You can find a realtor That'll be a yes man or yes woman. You know what's a sign of a good realtor? Is a realtor that's willing to, to say to you, mm, I don't agree with that. And they're willing to, to call you out on, on an inaccurate statement, on, uh, on an extremely emotional assessment of something um, that isn't accurate, isn't based in logic or data. That's a good realtor. Now, I'll say a good realtor will also not just, you know, always be contradicting you. A good realtor will also listen to you and make sure he or she understands you. But at the end of the day, if someone is a professional, they should at some point have disagreements with some of their clients. If they don't, then that probably means that 
their clients know just as much as they do and the realtor is not really providing any value. And um, I see this a lot where people pick realtors. Again, we talked about this a little bit in our last episode, but they pick a realtor that, uh, that agrees with them, that they feel comfortable around. There is something to be said for that, but you also need someone that's willing to, to disagree with you every now and then when you say something or believe something that's not accurate. Number four, focusing, and, and, and this is not going to be what you think it is, okay? Focusing too much on the comps. Now, if you're not familiar with that term, HGTV has, has made that term kind of very commonplace, household language now. When we say comps, what we mean are comparable properties, properties that are similar, that sold recently, um, that are nearby to the subject property that we're looking at right now, and that help us to determine what the price point is, what this home is worth. This home is worth $200,000 because look at these three comps. Based on these three comps, the price per square foot is this, you multiply that times the square footage of this house, you come up with around about $200,000. All right. So the number four most common mistake that I see people make when they're listing a house is focusing too much on the comps rather than on what's currently for sale. In other words, they're looking too much at what has sold rather than what is currently on the market. And here's why that's really important. I, I've heard some people say, go so far as to say that actually what's currently on the market is even more important than what's sold. Here's why. Let's say that you're looking for a house with a pool. And, and there are some very specific features about the pool that you're looking for as well. If there is only one house on the market that has the pool that you're looking for, does it really matter what all of the other houses the past year that had those types of pools sold for? Yeah, I mean, it matters to a certain extent. But in that moment, those homes that sold with those pools don't help you at all. All that matters is there is one home in the area that you're looking for that has a pool. Guess what? You're probably not the only buyer looking for a home in that area with a pool. The fact that there's only one means that you now are competing probably against two or three other families trying to buy this one house because of how unique it is. And sellers can get, again, so... Uh, so focused on comps and and trying to figure out, okay, well, what, what happened, you know, the past six months, the past year, the past 18 months, that they uh, neglect to look at, okay, when they're ready to sell, what's currently on the market? It may be that we need to err on the lower end of the range of what a home is worth because there's a lot of competition right now. It may be that there's not a lot of competition. So, heck, let's, let's list this home for uh, absolute top of the market 
make sure that we don't overprice it, but let's list this thing for the top of the market. There's not a whole lot else that's like it, and there should be a pretty sizable market for it. And and uh, I use the pool example because I just had a listing uh, just a couple of months ago that was like that. It was a unique property. Um, it was in Simpsonville, but it was in a it was in a really it was on the western side of Simpsonville. So in the best school district that you can basically have, but still have a Simpsonville address, and it had a pool. Now, here's what was interesting is that the neighborhood that it was in had a neighborhood pool. So we didn't know how much value exactly that, that the pool would add. We knew most likely it wouldn't add as much value as what it costs the owners to have it installed. But that being said, when, when I looked at the inventory levels and I looked out within two miles of there, are there any other homes that have a pool? And there weren't. And that got me extremely excited. So I was like, hey, listen, this is what I believe the top of the market is for this, uh, for this neighborhood. This is the top price point that I think that this house would appraise for. And I think that we need to list it for that price. And um, we did. They were they were somewhat surprised that I recommended that. We did. I had an open house, which ended up being the busiest open house I've ever had. By the way, this house wasn't in the best condition of any house I've ever um, I've ever seen. Uh, there were stains on the carpet, and uh, the carpet was original to the home, which was almost twenty years old. Um, and there were, you know, uh, they hadn't updated the kitchen, the older appliances, and whatnot. But um, we had the busiest open house that I have ever had. Um, and several people came through that and were just like, I can't believe that you have this house listed for this price point. People thought uh, there, there was a group of people that thought it was overpriced. But guess what? The, there was a group of people that saw that the, that the house was unique. And we ended up getting full price for the house, full value for the house, full list price for the house. So the moral of the story is you need to look not just at the comps. You need to look at what is what we call the inventory. What is currently for sale? What is currently on the market? Sometimes that can be as important or more important than the comps. At the very least, it informs how you interpret the comps on a house. Um, Number five most common mistake, and, and honestly, this this could be near the top of the list. All of these are are very are very close. I mean, once we got past number one and number two, which were listing the house for the wrong price, listing without professional photos, the rest of these are all pretty much the same in terms of uh, if I were to quantify them. Um, this one is reading too much into just kind of the, the whole situation from any communications with uh, a prospective buyer, an offer, a repair list, etc., making it too personal. Now listen, I get it. Selling a house is a personal thing. For a lot of people, they, you know, they have memories there. It might be, you know, where they raised their kids. It, might be, you know, where they had uh, church gatherings, who knows what. 
you have to do everything that you can to set those emotions aside, not assume the worst of the buyer, give the buyer the benefit of the doubt, and just look at the data. Is the buyer offering you 10000 less than what you listed it for? Okay, that's totally fine. You don't need to get upset at the buyer for that. Just counter with what you think is fair. Um, now, if the buyer comes in with an insulting offer, 30000 40000 below what you listed it for and you just listed it, hasn't even been on the market for very long, okay, you can feel insulted for a moment, but get back to business and, again, respond with a counter. Tell, counter back with, with what you believe it's, it's worth. If that buyer is serious, then something will come of that. If they're not serious, you'll know pretty quickly. And so you don't want to, if you personalize a transaction too much, you will make irrational decisions that will hurt you and cause you stress in the long run. The more you can take emotion out of it and just be focused on the transaction and you know the the numbers and focus on just getting each step completed step a completed all right that's done now step b uh c etc the more you can be focused on just knocking all of those things out and getting to the closing table you will be better off i can assure you of that Kind of similar to that is uh, is number six, which is uh, personalizing in a different way, though. It's personalizing too much about the house. And this is in your decor and how you have things set up. When you buy a house and when you move into a house, the goal is to personalize it, right? The first thing that you want to do is to start putting up things that are meaningful to you making the house into your own, making it, you know, the Smith house or the Parker house, whatever, uh, whatever it is that will, will make that house feel like it's yours, you want to do that. When you're selling a house, you're doing the exact opposite. People don't want to see your family photos. And quite frankly, you don't want them to be seeing your family photos. Take those photos down. Um, try to depersonalize as much as possible. You still want the house to be staged and, and to look good, but depersonalize as much as possible. People don't need to know that you love Key Largo. Um, you know, you might have, maybe it's going to be too difficult to completely change your Key Largo room into just a neutral room. Um, but, uh, but do your best. Try to depersonalize that will help the house to show better when people go in it. They'll be focused on the house rather than focused on your personality and trying to understand uh, and, and, and being distracted by the personal elements and the personal touches that you have in there that uh, speak directly to your personality. Last but not least, and, uh, and, and this one is probably my favorite out of all of them. Taking advice from your neighbors and friends without supporting data. And I'm, I'm holding my head low. I, I wish I had a dollar 
for every time I've heard someone say, well, Janet across the street said that my house was blah, 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 or Jim Bob uh, from, you know, down the block. He pointed out that someone sold their house for sale by owner, and it went in two days. And listen, I have I appreciate the value of having friends and neighbors who have their ear to the ground and know helpful little tidbits, but they are not real estate professionals. Um, now, some people will have helpful supporting data. The, the data is, it can be useful. I would say, if it's someone that's not a real estate professional, if they can provide data, great. Take that data and talk to someone that is a little bit more of a real estate professional. It doesn't even have to be a realtor. Maybe someone that you know that has flipped houses, that, that has some real estate investing background, um, maybe even a property manager. Um, take that data and, and have someone that has a real estate background interpret the data. The problem is that usually what happens when you're talking about friends and neighbors is they're bringing an interpretation, maybe even in the absence of data. They're just supplying their opinion and simply stating um, what they believe on the basis of like, you know, one example. Oh, here, there's a house two miles away that, uh, that they did X, Y, and Z to. You know, they added some engineered hardwoods and slapped some paint on it. And they were able to sell that thing for 70000 more than what they bought it for. Um, no, no, that, that's probably not what happened. Um, and it's, it's probably very simple to go back and look at it. Um, and a real estate professional could probably go back and look at it and say, no, here's what really happened here. Um, now, listen, I have had some good experiences with neighbors in the past. I had an open house one time that uh, a neighbor came in there, a neighbor of a lady in that neighborhood <laughs> came in there specifically to talk to me to ask me what I thought uh, her neighbor's house could sell for. And so I gave her some ideas, uh, some thoughts on, on what I thought. And a few minutes later, she came back with her neighbor. And I ended up listing that house, ended up selling it for full price. And, uh, and it was more than what she was expecting that she was going to get out of it. And everyone went home happy. But that was a neighbor that was doing the right thing, right? She was looping in a real estate professional, um, not just, you know, giving her opinion without any uh, substantiation. So especially when you have a realtor that you're working with, don't... Uh, uh, unless you really don't trust that realtor, in which case you probably need a new one, don't be arguing with him or her on the basis of what your friend or your neighbor said. That's not gonna. That's not gonna work well. Um, there needs to be data that uh, is being discussed, and if you have data that you want to discuss, that is like, hey, this doesn't seem to match 
our strategy or this doesn't seem to match the conversation that we had. Can you explain this? Uh, that's a much better way to go about it. And that's it. Those are the top seven biggest mistakes that sellers make. Um, hopefully, you will never make any of those. You'll uh, have a great realtor sell your house for full value. You'll walk away super happy, super excited, and uh, and come away from the closing table with a gigantic check that you don't know what to do with, and you go on a on a nice long cruise, relaxing and thinking about how you won't have to sell another house for a long time. That's what I hope for everyone, uh, particularly for those listening to the show, because uh, you, you're spending a lot of time listening to my lovely voice. And I hope that you come back next time. Next time we're going to be talking about something that's a little bit more specific to Greenville, and I'm excited about it. And I'm excited to uh, to continue doing this podcast. If you got any questions, feel free to reach out to me. My number is 864-735-7580. Again, that's 864-735-7580. Feel free to text or call me. I've got that in the show notes as well as my email. 